Our message today is coming from Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and also John 3, 16. So I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And if you would stand for me this morning as we read the scripture together. John 3, 16, first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Instead, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let us pray. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. You may have heard people talk about having a life verse, a verse that they sort of um, always go back to whenever they're struggling. Sometimes athletes will have these verses and they write them in black tape underneath their eyes. Well, they write in white and put them on the black tape that's under their eyes. Or someone will get a big tattoo of a verse that means a lot to them. Or even recently, we made t-shirts and put a key verse kind of on the t-shirts. But if you had asked me for a really long time, Micah 6.8 has been a key verse for me in my life. I actually use it in a manner of speaking as one of my passwords for just about everything. Um, My kids know it sometimes just by the characters that I use for the password, but it has become something that is uh, really important to me, and it's important to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it it sort of says, this whole verse says, God has shown you what is good. And what does that look like? Well, the prophet tells us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. It's not complicated. It's not even very challenging, really. But it's something that we all kind of don't get right a lot of times. It's a funny thing, if you talk to people, sometimes they'll talk about the fact that God is so different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament, and everything seems to change. But really, if you go back and you look through all of these prophecies that we've been reading, where it talks about God abounding in love and being slow to anger, God having all of this compassion, when you hear those things over and over again, and then you see, again, 
God saying, here's what I want from you. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. These are, these are things that are consistent throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is what Jesus means when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about doing these things and doing them well. These are the things that he criticizes the Pharisees over when he tells them, you've tithed all your little things, but you've neglected the orphans and the widows. And he says you should have done both if you were really going to do it with a whole heart. But the reality is, is what God has asked from the beginning is that your heart be in line with his. God acts justly. That is who he is. We have seen his justice come and go throughout all of the scriptures that we've read to this point when we started in Genesis all the way through to now. God has said justice is important to him. He has also talked a lot about mercy and compassion. So on one hand, we see this desire for justice, but on the other hand, we see God who is merciful. We only have to look back to what happened in Jonah to see just exactly how God works both of those sides. His justice said there will be destruction. His mercy said you have repented. I will relent. And this is a this is the story all the way through scripture. And the last part, to walk humbly with your God. What does it mean to walk humbly with your God? It doesn't mean the false, sort of prideful, self-deprecating, oh, I'm not very good at that. Where what you really want is for someone to say, oh, yes, you are. You're very good at that. Or where you kind of turn things on their head when someone gives you a compliment, you say, oh, it was no big deal. It was nothing. I really, it wasn't really that big, it wasn't really that big a thing. But really, what you're internalizing is that it was all about you. What humble means when we talk about it in connection with how God operates is what Jesus did, which is to empty himself of everything but following God. We hear him talk about this in Philippians. In chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul tells us very clearly exactly what humility looks like. He says it is all about putting the other first. It is, in fact... Imitating Christ that draws us to humility. This is, what, this is what Paul says. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. You see, when you are um, sort of having a false modesty, that's actually 
prideful. It's a hard thing to understand, but false modesty is actually still taking everything and turning it on you. But what humility actually looks like, humility says, value the other before you value yourself. That means sometimes that you do things for someone else that don't make any sense if someone looking on the outside sees it. Sometimes it looks like doing something that seems completely crazy, but it's really about valuing someone else over yourself. And that happens not because you have the ability to do it in yourself, Not because you have the power to do it on your own, but because you continually say, Lord, help me to serve you by loving someone else more than I love myself. It sounds crazy in our culture to to think that way, right? We have an entire camera style called selfies. (laughs) We are very big on Selfies, taking pictures of ourselves in various and sundry places and moments. And there's nothing wrong with capturing a moment and wanting to do that. But I have, um, when my daughter was a teenager, she used to um, take someone's phone. This was a thing. She would take someone's phone And when they got their phone back, it was full of a hundred or more selfies, which is um, not fun necessarily for the person who gets the phone back, but it is something that is um, very much a focus everything on myself. Now, she was a teenager, so I sort of cut her a little bit of slack on that. But the idea is is that um, we have a culture that has sort of said, I am the most important thing. Everything about me has to be acknowledged. It has to be about me. One of the things that is really, really hard about preaching is that as you work through a text and you start thinking about it and talking about it and going through it in your mind and you read commentaries, something happens where the Holy Spirit sort of starts saying, hmm, you're going to say that to those folks, but how much of that is who you are and what you're doing? And so I have to kind of examine myself in connection with this, right? How many times... Am I actually living my life in such a way as to make others more important? Putting others' interests ahead of my own. Sometimes I'm not. A lot of times I'm not. Very often I'm not. You can ask my husband. He will tell you very clearly that there are many times when walking humbly is not my first reaction. But it needs to be, and it needs to be not because I do it, not because you do it, but because God does it through us. And that can be the prayer of your heart. If you walk away from this today with nothing else, 
You have a a three-pronged prayer that you can pray, and God can work in you to create these actions in your life. Acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with your God are things that the Holy Spirit can do in you. And if you ask God for those things, God will do them in you. So, if you walk away today with nothing else, remember these three phrases, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. They're not hard. They're the only things that God really asks of us. This is one of the few places in scripture where it very clearly says, what do you want from us, God? And God says, I want you to do this. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. But always with your God. You can't do it on your own, but in the power of God, you can. And if you pray and you ask God to do that for you, God will answer that prayer. It is, uh, it is a strange thing to think about living our lives in such a way so that it's always guided by kind of these three ideas of justice, mercy, and humility. But when we do that, what starts to happen is we start to look more and more like Christ. And that's what we have been called to do. You see, if we're just here on a Sunday morning for the sake of gathering as a community and being nice to each other and maybe hanging out for a little bit, singing some songs, listening to somebody talk, and then we go home and nothing's changed. We don't do anything differently. We don't, um, we don't pray differently. We don't love differently. We don't live differently. Then, really, we may as well just pack up shop here and go join a bowling league. Because bowling leagues do that too. Maybe without the speaking, instead of speaking, they all get together and they bowl three games. And it's a competition. But if we're here and we're really about being church, our job isn't just to come and take in. Our job is to come and take in and then give away. To leave different. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is all about transformation. That's what we are here for is the transformation power of the Christ we follow. So if you're here and you're like, well, I mean, I'm not really into the transformation thing. Not really thinking that um, that I can do all this justice and mercy and humility is not really my thing. Well, um, I say, um, we'd love to see you again, 
but you might be better served by picking another destination on Sunday mornings. This does not apply to children, by the way. If you are under the care of your parents, as long as your parents are coming for the purposes of transformation, um, you probably just have to, right? (laughs) But for the rest of us, if being here isn't changing who we are in the day-to-day, then we may as well not even bother. We may as well pick a different sport. I think that the God who is in the transformation business desires for you to want these things. And that if you can't even get to that place where you want those things, that you can start with that as your first prayer. God, make me want this. Make this something that I want to do. God will answer that prayer as well. So I say to you, what does God want from me? God wants you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. (laughs) Well, as we have been doing every week in this series, I want us to um, work together and remember what it means to say that God loves. I am not sure where my blue sheets went. Somewhere in the Um, Midst of all the various and sundry festivities, I have only, um, I have not any left. But um, I think most of you know the kind of words to say. But basically, when I point at you, say, God loved us enough. And that will be sufficient. What does it mean to say God loves? God loves us enough. To create us. To form us from the dust. God us to let us fail. To let us choose our own way over God's. To let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. God to provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. 
to still let us choose our own destiny, to promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and final judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. You have great amen timing. God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread, know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.